From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Today, I'm speaking with an expert in breathing, and we're going to get into great detail about acute respiratory distress syndrome, since that's what he studied for most of his career. Professor Gary Neiman has been a pulmonary physiologist at Upstate for more than 40 years. Welcome to HealthLink on Air. Thank you, Amber, and thank you for having me. Professor Neiman, I know you do a lot of teaching and research, and you also have a long-term collaboration with the medical director at the R. Adams Kelly Shock Trauma Center in Baltimore. Can you tell us about what the two of you are focusing on in your research? Uh, what we're focusing on is acute respiratory distress syndrome, or ARDS, and uh, we study both the, uh, the pathology or the pathophysiology and the treatments of that disease. Uh, it's a very serious disease. Uh, it actually kills more people than HIV or breast cancer every year. Uh, however, it's caused uh, after a systemic uh, inflammation, like a blood infection or severe trauma. So often the patient's family don't know that they actually died of ARDS. They died of the infection or the, or the accident. Uh, what Dr. Habashi has done um, is study how to mechanically ventilate these patients with ARDS. Uh, the disease causes a lot of fluid to build up in the lung and the lungs become very stiff so that the patient can no longer breathe using his respiratory muscles and has to be put on a mechanical ventilator. And what, uh, what we and others have found out is if you set the mechanical ventilator incorrectly, it actually increases the mortality of ARDS. However, if it's set properly, it will reduce the mortality. So what I'm really featuring, uh, working on with Dr. Hibashi is uh, trying to understand and improve protective mechanical ventilation for patients with acute lung injury. Interesting. And breathing is something that, you know, we all kind of take for granted, you know, it just happens, but it's more than just taking oxygen in, right? There's a lot more to it than that. Yes, the uh, the pathology of, of ARDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome, uh, what happens is your lungs start to flood actually with fluid, and you no longer can use your inspiratory muscles to actually pull a breath in. So what we have to do at that time is uh, put a tube down the patient uh, into their trachea, and then place these patients on mechanical ventilation. And uh, the, mechan the way you set the mechanical ventilator, we're finding out, can either uh, greatly help the patient or it can cause an unintentional secondary injury known as ventilator-induced lung injury or VILI. And that's what we're trying to avoid. You mentioned fluid. Where does the fluid come from? Uh, what happens uh, in ARDS is that uh, there's a hyperreactive inflammation uh, in response to an injury. Um, could be trauma, could be a severe bleeding, it could be a blood infection, it could be direct injury like smoke inhalation or pneumonia. And the capillaries, obviously there's millions of capillaries in the lung to exchange oxygen and carbon dioxide, uh, and they become leaky. And you, actually your own, uh, the fluid in your blood starts to leak from the capillaries into the lung. Now, is ARDS, is that what happens to people who start having difficulty breathing, or, or, or what causes this to happen? Uh, uh, ARDS is caused by some kind of a serious uh, outside injury. Uh, it could be a, a trauma, 
um, like a car accident with major tissue injury. It could be major bleeding, hemorrhagic shock. Uh, most often it's caused by a blood infection uh, known as sepsis or direct uh, lung infection known as pneumonia. And uh, so these are the, the major uh, the major components and, and ARDS, uh, once it becomes serious enough to be called ARDS, uh, will require mechanical ventilation and uh, very lethal injury. Um, the mortality for a patient with ARDS is around 40%. So it's, uh, it's a very serious problem. Uh, also, it uh, affects more people, kills more people every year than either HIV or breast cancer. So it's a, it's a very serious problem that, uh, uh, that Dr. Abashi and I are uh, very actively trying to reduce that mortality level. Does it affect uh, all of the ages, the young and the old equally, or do you see this more in older people? Uh, it, it does affect all ages, uh, depending on the seriousness of the trauma. Uh, obviously, the older patient, uh, if they have comorbidities uh, like emphysema or diabetes, uh, it can play a bigger role. Uh, actually, one of the uh, uh, when they they identified the syndrome, uh, there were a lot of our soldiers in Vietnam were developing ARDS, and it's because they would have these horrific injuries out in the field, and then they would medevac them in. They wouldn't die of uh, of heart failure in the field. Uh, they would bring them back to the mass unit, and they were getting this strange disease where the lungs would fill with fluid. Um, so often they call it the Nang lung. And that's sort of in the, uh, it actually wasn't identified as a syndrome until 1967. So um, it, it can affect young, healthy adults also. Now it's treated uh, solely with a ventilator or is there more to the treatment? Uh, strangely enough, um, there's not a single pharmaceutical that has been shown to be effective for ARDS uh, with the exception of steroids. And what steroids do is it calms down the inflammation so the capillaries aren't as leaky. Uh, but there were several drugs that were released for ARDS but have subsequently been pulled. So really the, uh, the only uh, treatment is support uh, and the major support is putting them on the mechanical ventilator. So what we try to do is, is maintain oxygen and CO2 levels adequately until the patient's lung heals itself and then we can take the ventilator off. But really, uh, it really, it's only support at this point. This is Upstate Medical University's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with pulmonary physiologist, Professor Gary Neiman. We're talking about acute respiratory distress syndrome, ARDS. The virus that causes COVID-19 is SARS-CoV-2, and SARS stands for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. How similar is Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome to ARDS? Uh, actually, the, uh, the SARS-induced ARDS is termed ARDS by the <clears throat> clinical community, um, and uh, actually we've added just a C to it uh, for COVID-induced ARDS or, or CARDS. Uh, the, um, it causes leaky capillaries, it causes the lung to collapse, and the only treatment uh, is uh, mechanical ventilation just as in uh, uh, bacterial ARDS. There are a couple of major differences. Uh, for whatever reason, the SARS uh, virus um, uh, makes the patient lose their, their very uncomfortable feeling when they lack oxygen. Uh, just as if you held your breath for a minute, uh, you'd feel very uncomfortable and very oxygen-starved. 
the patients with uh, SARS lose that and they have very low oxygen and don't know it. Uh, the other thing the virus does is it alters a lung's ability to match ventilation with perfusion. Our lung has an amazing ability to match blood flow to, uh, to where the uh, air is in the lung, uh, but that's lost. So that just very small areas of collapse can cause a very large decrease in oxygen in the, in the uh, SARS patient. Now, do I understand that your team has developed a novel ventilation strategy? Uh, actually, it was developed by Dr. Bashi in Maryland, uh, and he, uh, he he developed it clinically. He he was uh, uh, the ECMO director, and that stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. And that's when a ventilator no longer works, uh, and you have to have to actually exchange the oxygen with a machine, much like on cardiopulmonary bypass. And these lungs are very very sick, and he developed a. Um, strategy called time control adaptive ventilation or TCAV, and it's a method to set the airway pressure release ventilation mode. Uh, so uh, we'll just call it TCAV, and, and what it is, uh, it sort of flips the, the, uh, the ventilation around. Right now we take a short inspiration and a long expiration, and what Dr. Bashi did is he just flipped that around. It has a long inspiration, so the patient's lung is full of air for a very long period of time and then a very short expiration and then a very long inspiration. And why does that work on an ARDS patient is because uh, the lung is, is filling with fluid and starting to collapse. So if you can keep the pressure in the lung for longer periods of time, it tends to reopen the lung. Interesting. Uh, have you compared the two methods? Is one more effective than the other for someone with COVID? Uh, there's only one paper published thus far on COVID patients, and it was a, a study on uh, published just on 10 patients. And these are 10 patients had failed on the standard of care, and they converted them to the TCAV method. And in all of the patients, they improved their oxygenation um, and, uh, and their gas exchange, and they were uh, uh, they got off the ventilator quicker, and they needed less uh, sedation. So it was a very small study, but it indicated that at least the lungs seemed to like it better. Uh, Dr. Bashi and many of my other clinical colleagues have used um, the, the TCAV on, on their COVID patients with really great success, but none of that is published at this point. With this new strategy, is there still a concern about ventilator-induced lung injury? Uh, yes, it's a, it's actually a major problem. Um, in uh, 2000, a paper was published in the New England Journal of Medicine in which they showed uh, just a reduction of the pressure that's delivered to the patient's lung and the size of the volume, uh, termed the tidal volume, the amount of air that goes in and out with each breath, uh, significantly reduced the uh, mortality associated with ARDS from 40% down to 31%. Um, unfortunately, uh, in the last 21 years, that was published in 2000, most of the uh, retrospective uh, analyses looking if the uh, the strategy still works have shown that it really uh, doesn't and that the ventilation, the uh, mortality is still up around 40%. Uh, so we and others feel that uh, this ventilator-induced lung injury uh, is still a significant problem in the ARDS patient and new ventilation strategies uh, must be developed in order to reduce ARDS-related mortality.
Regarding TCAV or the time controlled adapted ventilation, is this a new way of adjusting a, a regular ventilator or is it a new type of ventilator? It's a, a new way of, of uh, adjusting a specific mode on the ventilator. And there's various modes uh, on the ventilator. There's a, a volume mode where the clinician sets the volume that goes into the patient or a pressure mode where the clinician sets the pressure uh, that goes into the patient. Uh, so this is a um, a way to set and adjust just the airway pressure release ventilation mode, uh, and it's uh, the the or APRV. Uh, the APRV mode has been around for almost thirty years, but Dr. Bashi has refined it in at uh, Shock Trauma, and uh, came up with this time controlled adaptive ventilation method. Uh, that we're finding in the lab and he's finding in the clinic and uh, some at Upstate are using it in the clinic and we're finding it very lung protective. And uh, we feel that it will significantly reduce ARDS-related mortality because it will eliminate or at least minimize ventilator-induced lung injury or delay. Well, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you to explain what's happening to the lungs of people who develop a severe case of COVID-19 and who end up needing ventilator support. Why were doctors earlier in the pandemic saying that patients would do better if they were placed on their stomachs? Again, remember that the, the lung is filling with fluid and it's collapsing. Uh, and when we're laying on our back, the heart sets on top of the lung and it, help, and it adds weight and it, and it collapses more of the lung. By flipping the patient over, now the heart's right at your breastbone. Uh, and so it's the weight isn't on the lung and that allows that lung to expand easier during mechanical ventilation. Uh, also, the, uh, the windpipe is sort of slanted downward. So if you're laying on your stomach, the fluids that are building up, the fluid in the, in the lungs building up can be more easily drained out of the, out of the chest. So it, uh, the proning, what is called pulling on, on their face down, uh, tends to allow the lung to inflate at a lower pressure. And it's very important in a, in a disease that's causing lung collapse. Is it basically gravity that's being used? Um, it's gravity used in the uh, uh, in the prone position. Uh, when you prone a patient, um, the the when you're in the supine, a lot of the lung tissue is uh, near your spine, not near your back. So uh, it, it becomes sort of very heavy. As I uh, mentioned, the uh, patient develops a lot of fluid in their lung called pulmonary edema, and that weighs down on the uh, on the lung. And also, if you think about it, your heart uh, is right next to your breastbone and it sets on top of the lung when you're laying on your back. But if you turn the patient over and lay them on their on their stomach, uh, the heart is now it's just it's resting just on your breastbone and takes all that weight off the lung. So uh, the prone position, uh, for the most part, it, it is just it's a gravity shifting. Uh, and it uh, it helps the lung due to the anatomy and the anatomy as it sits inside the chest. Uh, also, the uh, uh, by putting the patient on their stomach, it helps some of that fluid drain out of the lung, um, and it'll help uh, uh, recover faster. So, just to clarify, prone means on your stomach, and supine is laying on your back. That's correct. Interesting. Now, do you think the damage that this virus did to the lungs of people who were infected? will be permanent damage? Uh, some of the published papers suggest it will uh, it will linger or it will be permanent. It seems to be 
uh, again, the, the, all of the, it, it takes a long time for science to actually uh, be sure of what is going on, but the, the current literature does show an increase in scarring, uh, which leads to an increase in fibrosis. So the lungs becomes fibrotic, it's no longer lung tissue, it's just scar tissue, and that is permanent. And uh, one of the reasons that we think this is, is because the SARS-CoV-2 virus attacks the cells that line the blood vessels. And uh, the, there's a huge amount of capillaries in the lung and it destroys so many of the blood vessels that that tissue becomes fibrotic. So it, it, is, it is a real concern that that is going to be true. Are there any therapies that you're aware of that can help people who have recovered from the acute infection but are still plagued by symptoms such as difficulty taking a full breath? Unfortunately, uh, I know nothing that's going to uh, help that at this particular point. I would say uh, we would have to work on it from the other end. Uh, I would recommend um, for physicians who knew how to apply TCAB to apply it as soon as the patient is intubated. Uh, if you can decrease the amount of acute lung injury, uh, then the secondary sequelae will be much less. And uh, I have, uh, and again, it's just uh, communi uh, communication between my collaborators, but uh, some have said they have, they've been wildly successful putting the patient as soon as their, the tube goes in uh, on TCAV and they really, it stops the disease progression almost immediately. So uh, uh, unfortunately, not many people know it. It's still a very novel uh, method of uh, ventilating. So um, it has been used successfully at Upstate by a pulmonary fellow that worked in my laboratory. So uh, there, is, there is some experience at Upstate using the TCAB method. Well, I appreciate your expertise. Thank you so much to Professor and Pulmonary Physiologist Gary Neiman. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and radio talk show, HealthLink on Air.